0: Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. Practitioner, registered psychotherapist, and trauma therapist. I want to break down barriers related to stigma and seeking help for mental health. If something in this podcast resonates with you, I urge you to reach out to a licensed or registered healthcare professional. Don't go at it alone and let's get started. Hey everyone, this is Julie, and today is episode eight of Hashtag Who Podcast. And for those of you who have listened from the beginning to the end, thank you so much for hanging in there. Uh, These last couple of episodes, they took a while to post, and I thank you for your patience. And it's the final episode of our Unpacking Eating Disorder series. And for those of you who might be curious, might be wondering how can... I work with Sarah or Julie. Uh, We are doing individual therapy, and I am at this point. My caseload is pretty full, and I do know, however, that Sarah is taking new clients both virtual and um, in person, and so we also have the Eating Disorder Caregiver Coaching Group, which you could find on my website, JulieClarkTherapy.com. And that's Clark with an E. And Sarah's website is linked in the show notes for today. And her last name is T-E-R-W-I-L-L-I-G-A-R. SarahTewilliger.com is her website. And we'd love to hear from you if you're a family seeking some, some support around eating disorders or you want to just educate yourself about eating disorders, by all means, please do reach out. And today, I'm actually taping this intro from outside. It's uh, here in Ontario, Canada. We've had a pretty warm and humid summer and a lot of air conditioning on, which I'm not really a big fan of. Living in Canada, we have to keep our windows closed for a long, long winter and so I would rather have my windows open, but the humidity has just been, for me, it's I don't enjoy it. And uh, today out in my backyard on my deck, it's just lovely. So I'm hearing some birds. I'm hearing a little bit of traffic. I'm hearing the buzz of uh, pool pump, and you might hear that as well. Uh, and if my dog finds this snake that I saw here earlier today, which I see her looking for, uh, I will try not to scream loudly into the mic, but I'm very conscious of the fact that it's probably underneath the deck right as I'm speaking. Uh, but no, it's, it's tremendously beautiful out, and I'm really happy to be able to do my work from home, a home office, and bring this wonderful episode to you. And so today, the title of the episode, oh, I've just misplaced my notes. Well, as I said, is the fifth of our five-part series, Unpacking Eating Disorders, and the title is Parents, What Can You Do? And we wanted to bring together, first of all, this entire series is a snippet of what you would get in more depth in as a member in the Eating Disorder Caregiver Coaching Group, and we're not currently running that. We hope to, again, soon... And we only need a minimum of three participants. And we do that uh, on purpose. We don't want to have a large, large number just as we're still getting going with this group and just managing the technology as well as our busy schedules. We would run it with a minimum of three people. So just putting that out there. I realize there is a cost involved, but it really is to break down the amount of information and support that you get for two qualified. Sarah's being a registered nurse as well as a registered psychotherapist, and myself, a child and youth care practitioner as well as a registered psychotherapist and trauma therapist. Uh, you are getting a lot of bang for your buck at at the cost there. So, we acknowledge that it's you know it's not inexpensive, but at the same time we have to make sure that We complement what it is that we're offering and we um, are able to do that ongoing. So moving on, parents and what you can do. So in today's episode, we talk about if someone suspects, Sarah talks about how suspecting if someone has an eating disorder and knowing that they have an eating disorder is, is very different. And we, if for some reason this is the first episode that you're listening to, we do strongly encourage that people go back and listen to the previous four episodes. And just to summarize those quickly for you, we have uh, episode four on Hashtag Parenting Who podcast is entitled Stigma and Norms, episode five. Diagnosed and Non-Diagnosed Eating Disorders. Episode 6, Understanding the Eating Disorder. And Episode 7, Symptoms and How to Recognize Them. And then of course today, Episode 5, Parents and What You Can Do. So what we tried to do is take a lot of Uh, the basic details for the Eating Disorder Caregiver Coaching Group and create a conversation within this podcast to give you all an idea, first of all, to get to know Sarah and I and to also give you an idea of what you can expect. And then for those of you who maybe choose not to move forward with the Caregiver Coaching Group, at least there's still some helpful information out there by qualified professionals. So in this episode, as I was saying, Suspecting if uh, you or someone that you love has an eating disorder and knowing that they do are two different things. What Sarah talks today, we talk about how being present, kind, caring, and open, having open communication is really important with your uh, child or youth and how to convey uh, your concern for their safety, for their health. And of course, having regular checkups with your medical doctor, as well as uh, therapy. And it doesn't have to be therapy centered around an eating disorder. It can be therapy centered around low mood, for example. And so we talk about the importance of the ability to self-reflect as a parent, as an adult, and uh, getting some pushback from the, the ill child who... May say things like, you know, when you're trying to convey that kindness and caring, they may say things like, it's none of your business, and you might get pushed back. And how to know, or not how to know, but to know that their response to you is not about you, it's about them. And for parents, the more you're aware, the more helpful you're going to be. And so Sarah talks about a book, uh, Eva Musby, and I'm going to link that in the show notes. And she speaks a, a high really highly about Eva's book. And um, Eva was the parent or is the parent of a child with an eating disorder. Uh, Sarah also talks about how teens should not be dieting and how we as adults in the lives of young people need to be very mindful of our actions. Are we dieting in front of our kids? Are we focusing on calories and intake and losing pounds and looking in the mirror. And um, we talk a little bit about the verbal and nonverbal language that we that we use in maybe everyday language that we don't even realize is, is detrimental and sets a tone for those children who retain everything we say. They're like sponges. Uh, this one's a good one. Um, just beginning to understand how for someone with issues around eating and body image, how even just a traditional Easter dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, any kind of special occasion of birthday celebration, how those gatherings can be very stressful for someone who is expected to sit in front of other people and make food choices and consume food and it makes it harder to hide and people might notice that you're avoiding and so why that's important too and what's what actually is hard about that and then we finish things off really quickly about uh, Sarah talks a little bit about how you know in the teenage years they want to be independent but give some context to how much independence one would give someone so for example if the child or youth is really unwell and very low weight very entrenched in in their eating disorder they'll need more support versus that more support around their nutrition versus that individual who's actively working on and is recovering from an eating disorder and realizing you know i i think it's a delicate balance and it also depends on the individual child or youth and the dynamics, and so a lot of this information that we share is generalized because it's so specific to your family dynamics, your child, your youth, uh, how well you are, how supported you are as a parent, as a caregiver, and uh, so I hope that some of those things are helpful for you all, like I said, and I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in, and please don't hesitate to make your thoughts known about our series. We would love to hear from you, And you can do that over on iTunes and there is a link on my website, uh, julieclarktherapy.com. There's a Parenting Who podcast link and or you can go directly to parentingwhopodcast.com and that goes to my website as well. And there is an iTunes link there. So thank you so much for tuning in and please do let your thoughts be known and best of luck, and maybe we'll actually meet some of you in the virtual caregiver coaching group. Bye for now and enjoy this. Hey Sarah, it's nice to chat with you again. Thank you to thank you for coming back to hashtag parenting who podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Right. And so today we're taping the fifth of our five point, our five part series in unpacking eating disorders. And we're going to talk today about parents and what they can do, what they can do, parents and caregivers, and what they can do, uh, I guess, if they suspect an eating disorder, if they want to just educate themselves more about what that is, what that looks like. And um, yeah, so take it
1: away. Well, I think, I mean, if we're looking at parents who suspect an eating disorder, I think that that's a little bit different than if you know and have um, your child diagnosed with one. Um, if, you're, if you're suspecting one, then there's like signs and things you can look for, and you can refer back to our symptoms um, podcast for, for more information on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, really, is advocating for your child. If you suspect they have an eating disorder, um, they may be really, um, they may not want to talk about it,
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: and may not want to bring it up with you, but, uh, just continuing to be present, be kind and caring and open that door and that gateway for open communication with them. I think that's, that's one way to go about it. And also letting them know that you're concerned with, about their safety and their health and that that's really important um to you and for them and that Mm -hmm. that's going to be in the forefront no matter what Mm -hmm. so you know advocating going to you know if if a child is is saying i absolutely don't have an eating disorder then i would recommend you know going to the doctor getting regular checkups maybe more than normal where Mm -hmm. the weight is taken so you can monitor it um, and also just going to therapy just as a general. Um, it may not necessarily have to be therapy for the eating disorders, but, you know, other issues that they're dealing with.
0: Yeah, that's good advice because, um, well, we're both therapists and I'm a huge advocate for people getting therapy. So <laughs> it's true. It doesn't have to be that there's an eating disorder or a suspected eating disorders. They can just... They can just build that relationship with someone and um, get some help with, with other areas, stress, low mood, all of those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what is it that is beneficial for parents in terms of what they bring to? So a lot of the things you were talking about was be present, kind, caring, have open communication, let the child or youth know that they're concerned about safety and health And sometimes uh, a child or youth doesn't have a really good relationship or um, they'll sort of push back on some of that kindness and caring. And what is it that parents can do in terms of their own self-reflection and what they bring to the conversation?
1: Well, I think just knowing that it's not about you, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're you're talking to a teen or your child and you're maybe getting attitude back or pushback you know like leave me alone um it's none of your business maybe a talk like that you know just coming and reminding yourself that you're coming from a place of concern and love and that you you know that their response to you is not about you it's about mm-hmm. them and so kind of taking yourself out of that, allow and and knowing that they're if they do have an eating disorder, that they're not well and that they need that support and they need you to continue to be present, continue to to be there for them, ask them how they're doing, um, talk with them. And um in regards to the self reflection piece, I think I think that's where that's what I mean by you know, reflecting on yourself and knowing. This isn't about me. This is about my child. Their response to me is not is not about my parenting or my caregiving. Mm-hmm. It's about what they are going through.
0: Yeah, and I think we've touched on past um, podcasts about how, when the eating disorder is present, the child is not really um, they're not really thinking straight, and so the eating disorder is powerful as it is, and that voice it's really I think it plays into what you're saying around the parents sort of staying grounded in that it's not about their parenting and what they haven't done or guilt and what they should have done it's not about that it's really about um the unwell and the illness and building that strong connection so that they can get healthy again
1: Mm mm-hmm And for themselves, the more aware they are, the better they'll be able to help their child. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, you know, educating themselves, not just on what a diagnosis is or what your typical symptoms are of an eating disorder, but, you know, there's some great um, books out there um, to understand, like the Eva Musby has a great book who's Mm -hmm. um, a parent uh, of a child who had an eating disorder. And so a book like that to really understand how you can help uh, your child, that's a great way. And then also getting your own counseling because what you're going through is going to be hard on you. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be difficult. It's going to take a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. And so um, being mentally well yourself and uh, will help you along that journey of helping your mm-hmm. child.
0: Yeah, and I'll uh, put a link in the show notes to Eva's book. I know that's something that you recommend and suggest quite often, and it's a resource that you really trust, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about some practical things that parents can do. So, for example, um, diet, food, language, comments around and Mm -hmm. about food, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, number one is that teenagers and children should not be dieting. It's, you know, we have our social, we've already talked about stigmas and society. There's a lot of pressure on everyone to be on a diet. um, But teenagers are still growing. They're still developing. Children are the same. And they do not need to be on a diet. They need to be eating like a variety of foods and, and know that all foods fit. And so, um, you know, passing that message along to your child, as well as living that yourself. So mm-hmm. not being on a diet yourself, you know, because as a parent or as a caregiver, you have to remember what you're, what you're bringing to the relationship, um, where you're the adult, and there's a child, they're looking up to you, they're learning from you. So you know, what language do you use with yourself? Are you hurt on yourself? Do you comment on your body negatively? Um, You know, are you always saying I need to lose weight? Or are you commenting on others' bodies or your Mm -hmm. child's body? Those things should not take place. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would would recommend if that's happening that you, you know, seek some of your own growth or your own Mm -hmm. counseling to help with that. Mm Um, but those are some of the things like practical things that you can do in your home, you know, maybe not having a scale at home Mm -hmm. that, um, that is a great thing, um, Mm -hmm. or hiding it or, or, I mean, I would recommend just not having one, but, um, you know, having it not in your household because of the messages that that sends, um, or how triggering it is or how, you know, you go into a bathroom and you're just. You want to try it out. But um, so those kind of positive messages um, with your child in your relationship, that can go a long way.
0: Well, I think even like when you said the language that you use. So there's the verbal sort of language, you know, that I feel terrible because I ate too much or, you mm-hmm. know, asking the question, does this outfit make me look fat? Those kinds of things. But there also is a nonverbal language too, isn't there?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you truly are okay in your own skin, um, that's going to emulate through a lot of different areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're, you know, it brings like an energy with you. And mm-hmm. so your, your child or the, the, um, teenager that you're looking after is going gonna, is gonna to pick up on that and is mm-hmm. going to sense that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that these things are what cause an eating disorder. It's just, you know, how can you create a positive, healthy um, relationship with food in your home and how can you, um, you know, teach younger, younger individuals to have a good relationship with their body and body image.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important because they, like you were saying, they do mirror what you do, and it could be something you say or just your mannerisms. Mm-hmm. And um, something that came to mind when you were talking is even just the the sizes when you go shopping, the different sizes of clothes, and you know, a size zero versus a size six, and what that could. Uh, you know, a little comment about oh, you know, I wish I wasn't this size. I wish I was this size is something that that child, that youth, is going to hear and feel like. You know, when they're looking for an outfit, that they should be analyzing the number. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyone who has is a parent of someone who actually has an eating disorder, and you know they have an eating disorder, whether they're diagnosed or not. Um, be one thing you can do as a parent or a caregiver is really be mindful of what, what times may be hard for them, what's going to be extra difficult, where they may need your support a little bit more or a little bit more patience or understanding or empathy at that time. And Mm -hmm. some of those things that may not be hard for you are hard for them. Like, Mm -hmm. and some of the examples I gave were um, uh, social gatherings, Mm -hmm. going out to eat, um, family dinners, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Uh, bathing suit time, so going to the beach, going to a pool party, going to a party at at all, um, Mm -hmm. going shopping, looking at labels, trying on old clothes, weighing themselves. So those are all some examples of when it may be really hard for someone who's struggling um, with eating, eating issues, body image, that it may be hard for them to, to go to those activities.
0: I remember when I was working in outpatient free eating disorders, they would plan around those, some of those events that you're talking about and a birthday party with cake and lots of sweets was usually a big stressor among yeah. other things. But, um, so the planning and the organization that goes into attending these traditional meals or these parties, that's really important, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And talking to them beforehand and say, you know, is this a, is this a difficult thing for you to go to? Can I help you with that? What's hard about it? Um, You know, what's making you stressed or worried? You know, can we make a plan together? Mm -hmm. Letting them know that you, that you're trying to understand will, will help in itself. Right acknowledging that the, that, you know, that the eating disorder might be stronger around those times. Oh, I see. Okay. So, and with that acknowledgement, you're then opening the door for a conversation where your child can talk to you and open up about it, helping your child know that, that it's there will help the eating disorder to be decreased because they, because, you know, they'll know that you know it's around and that you're looking for, for mm, symptoms. Okay. Okay. Which may, it may decrease the, the amount of symptoms that may occur if they know that they're, oh, my mom knows that this is a hard time. She might be monitoring me a little bit more.
0: And the other thing, giving independence to the the child especially youth they want their independence but you mention or talk a little bit about how the eating disorder can use this independence and it thrives on the lack of relationship and connection between parent and child and how what's the delicate balance in that and i realize it's probably different for every unique individual and every dynamic in the family but do you have some thoughts on on the independence piece
1: Um, well, I think it depends on the stage your child is in, um, where the independence comes in. I think when you're when someone is really ill, um, and low weight, and not, and is kind of really entrenched in their eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I think that is the time where they need to be supported more, have someone around them more. Um, But if someone is recovering and moving towards steps and you've seen that they're, you know, that they're, they're taking all their nutrition, that they're really trying, that their weight is increasing or um, that you notice their symptoms have decreased. I think then, you know, starting off with allowing them to go to events outside of meals Mm um that's probably a good place to start and then working your way from there. I know within the inpatient um program that that we've worked, um, we'd often start with baby steps of going out outside of meals, then um taking a bagged meal with you and having to bring it back. Um, but that's a place where we can really monitor everything. Yeah. As a as someone at home, I think you have to use your judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if the time they were out, they needed to have nutrition and they didn't take it, then they need to take it when they get home or before they go. Um, and I would say usually before they go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause stress isn't, isn't as prominent at that point. I'm mm-hmm. imagining. Yeah. And they can but, focus a bit better,
1: but yeah, it is a difficult time because teenagers do want that independence and you can give them that, I think it depends on the severity of your child um, and the diagnosis and, yeah. and just seeing, you know, I, I hope that if your child has an eating disorder, you have connections to a doctor um, or a nurse practitioner, a social worker, a therapist um, to help you with some of this stuff, you mm-hmm. know, transitioning back to kind of normal life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. Cause one of the other things that's, in my mind too, is like, you know, you talked about the
0: bagged lunches and stuff like that. And when teens are out amongst their peers, the last thing they want to do is eat at a different time than the other ones. And you can see how, yeah. So if there's a certain time that they have to have their nutrition and then that just right there poses a... A bit of an obstacle for them well that's great sarah thank you so much for providing some more information and insight into what parents can do for those who are struggling with an eating disorder or even for those parents or caregivers who are wondering or suspecting or seeing some signs this is a bit of bit more tangible information that they can uh, incorporate and think about in their day so thanks very much yeah no problem Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help from a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com.